But tonight, to help us uh, think this through about how we can grow uh, as Christians, I'm going to read a short passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 23 to 33. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Well, before we reflect a little bit more on that passage and what God might have to say for us, uh, let's commit ourselves to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, please uh, forgive us for the ways in which we fail you and we fail to live according to your will. For the ways in which we relegate you in our affections and our priorities. For when we deliberately ignore your will for us as we think we know better. Father, we come to you confident in the forgiveness won for us in Jesus and thankful for the work of your Spirit in our lives. Please help us keep in step with your spirit and not to grieve him. Help us to know you better so that we might grow in our love, joy and peace in you. Please help us to become more forbearing and kind and good as we deal with others, especially at times when we might be tempted to be divisive or resentful or to see the worst in people. And please help us in our character to become more faithful, ever more gentle and exercise greater self-control so that we would reflect your son more closely and imitate him and his priorities more steadfastly. Our Father, please be with us tonight and meet with us where we are, whether we're anxious or complacent, self-doubting or overconfident. As we spend our time with you now, please use your word, guide us by your spirit to speak to us and change us as you see fit. Amen. Take what you do, it's the way that you do it. That was a a jazz hit from 1939 recorded by Ella Fitzgerald. Now, my guess is there's not too many of you watching tonight who would remember that, but it was covered in 1982 by uh, Fun Boy 3 and It reached number four in the charts, and some of you might be able to remember that. Uh, It's also featured in adverts, including uh, DIY. The lyrics went, it ain't what you do, 
It's the way that you do it. That's what brings results. And it touches on something which is true, isn't it, in lots of areas of life. It's not just what we do, but the way that we do it, which really matters. Just think about buying presents. When you go out and buy a present, you could just get the nearest thing you find and wrap it in a bag and, and throw it at someone. Or you could take your time, really think about what the other person likes and values and, and then make the most of the opportunity to wrap it and, and present it to them. It's not what you do, it's the way that you do it that matters. Same is true of DIY. It's not just a question of whether you do DIY and, and give it a bash, it's a question of, of how you do it, the way that you do it. That's the difference between your shelves staying up or falling down. What's the phrase? Measure twice, cut once. It's not what you do, it is the way that you do it. And it's always that's going to help us think through this issue of how to grow as Christians and, and how hurry undermines our growth. We've been thinking about how many of us in our society today suffer from hurry sickness, a feeling that we're constantly rushing, uh, we're restless, that our attention is always being distracted, taken away from the here and now onto the what next. Uh, comes maybe from a belief that we can do more in less time. It leaves us feeling irritable or easily offended, emotionally numb, distracted and distanced from other people. And we've looked in over the past uh, three evenings here, Sunday evenings here at Grace, on some of the ways we might combat hurry sickness. We've looked at solitude and Sabbath and, uh, and simplicity. But here's the thing. You can do all those things that we've talked about uh, and try to put them into practice, but still be in a hurry. You can have an empty diary and still be in a hurry. You can have a full schedule, but still take your time. And tonight, what we're looking at in this series is kind of the final piece of the puzzle. In some ways, it's the hardest because the question of our hearts and our attitudes. And that's where our passage is going to help us tonight. In our passage, Paul encourages uh, his readers. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of of God. Now we need to understand that life in Corinth wasn't quite the same as life here. Uh, there, kind of people's religious life was completely interwoven with their every day. So there'd be meat sacrificed up at the temple uh, in worship to their gods, and then that meat would then be sold in the market, and then it would be served in private homes. And the question for Christians there was, well, can I eat this meat then? If it's been sacrificed to an idol, uh, a god that isn't my god, can I still eat it? And Paul writes back and says, well, of course you can, it's just meat. It belongs to God, you can eat it and be thankful. But then he also says, but of course, there might be a reason not to eat the meat too, because of the message you send when you eat it. It might send a message to non-Christians who are watching that actually this Jesus that you follow, well, it doesn't matter whether you follow him or whether you just stick to the old gods. You can just put them both together and do whatever you like. And it matters because of the message it might have sent to other Christians too. It might have said to them that you can split your loyalties between this Jesus that you've come to believe in and all the old, way, all the old religious ways of life too. 
Uh, and it's, a, it's an exploration really into what is Christian freedom. Uh, and, and, and the truth is that there are areas of life where we can work out how best we can use that freedom to glorify God. And there might be some reasons why it's good to limit that or not do something because of the effect it has on ourselves, on other Christians, on other people who are not yet Christians but are watching. See, it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. But that's what I think is exciting in some ways uh, for each one of us as we think through this area of how to grow because it means that every day is vibrant with the possibility and the opportunity to uh, live a life that is full of purpose and significance. Whether you're spending time changing nappies or running errands or talking to your neighbour or whether you're um, at the the daily grind of work or facing an unexpected delay, there is the opportunity there to, to experience those moments and live those moments to the glory of God. In fact, we're told that God prepares in advance good work for his people to do. They're all put there by God for his glory and our good. And so we're going to think through what that might mean in a few different areas of life. And I think we need to realise that if we're in a hurry, then we'll miss these opportunities to give glory to God. So what does it look like to uh, give glory to God when we're with other people? and not be hurried. Well, I think we know what it is like when we're distracted when we're with other people. Uh, maybe uh, by the, the, the ping on our phone or the notification or because we are trying to read a book at the same time someone's talking to us or whether we're thinking about someone else we'd rather be talking to or we're thinking about the plans we've made for the weekend or the job we've got to do. That's what it looks like to be hurried when we're with other people. You might uh, can think of times when you've been with someone who's been distracted. It's pretty discouraging, isn't it? And when we are hurried in our relationships, then empathy decreases, our interest in others decreases, our superficiality in our community life increases, and the quality of our friendships go down. We can't do friendships properly if we're in a hurry, when we're distracted, when our attention is drawn elsewhere. Like many uh, kids, I played a bit of cricket uh, when I was a kid. And uh, when you're batting, I guess the important thing is uh, you've got to hit the ball. That's what you've got to do. But as we've been seeing this evening, it's not just a question of what we do, hit the ball, but how you hit the ball is also important because you've got to hit it between the fielders so that you don't get caught. Uh, You want to hit it to the boundary so you get more runs. Uh, It's not what you do, it's how you do it. And if you're distracted, it's hard to hit the ball well. That's why they have those sight screens behind the bowler so that you can concentrate on the ball. And so in our friendships, when we're with others, it's really a question of attention, isn't it? Let me ask you this question. When you're uh, with other people, the people in your life, whether they're at work or at home, do you think, well, let me ask you this, do you love them? Do you care for them? Do you think they know that? And maybe even more telling, do you think they feel that? Someone once said that attention is our most precious resource. 
Uh, and when we give it to the other people in our life, that's when they will be properly blessed and we will start to exercise some of those fruits of the Spirit that we looked at earlier. Patience, goodness, kindness. When we stop and give our attention properly to God and, and give Him glory, that's when we start to really grow in love and joy and peace. There's that saying, isn't there? Time's not wasted when it's spent with you. That's true of the other people in your life. That's true of time spent with God too. What would it look like to give glory to God in the job you face, the jobs you face, uh, and not be hurried? And, I, and that might be the job you do, the one you get paid to do, or it might be those daily jobs that you have to do that we all have to do uh, just around the house, the chores. I think we all know what hurry feels like, don't we? Um, we get angry when we face an unexpected delay. We can get frustrated at how small and insignificant these things feel sometimes. Maybe we start to have a sense of, uh, of futility or feelings of failure that I'm just not getting enough done or not doing it well enough. Now, some of that might come from kind of a perfectionist impulse in some of us. Some of it might come just from uh, something so simple as the way we start the day. Let me tell you a story and see if you can identify with it. The alarm goes off. Uh, it's on your phone. You wake up. You think, I better just check the weather, see if I'm going to need a coat today. You check your phone. The weather's going to be okay. I'll just check the news, see what's happened. Oh, goodness. There's more bad news. It's COVID-19 things. It's delays in vaccinations. It's politics. It's stuff going on in the world that's just... Uh, just incredibly discouraging and let me just check my social media check to see what message is going on oh man they're they look like they're already having a better day than me oh goodness that's 25 30 minutes gone oh i better and you're already hurrying not only are you hurrying but you're also feeling discouraged because of all the the things you started your day with how might we be unhurried in our daily jobs in the things we have to do and remember it's not what you do it's how you do it this isn't about whether you have a phone or, 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 or whether you use a phone it's how you use a phone how you use the time you've got how you do the jobs that you do have to do every day every job every chore is an opportunity uh, for prayer but more than that if truly God has prepared in advance uh, good works for his people to do, then every job we've been given is an opportunity to give God glory and to do it well for his sake and for our good. We're told, aren't we, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we start doing those regular daily things in our lives, not just because they have to get done, but because we recognise they're given to us by God to learn something or to grow in some way, that maybe then frustration can turn to fulfilment. We can appreciate that the good that is being done by God through those things, or by God through those things for other people, and the, the way that I'm serving and blessing other people. I know many people, for example, at the moment, are just incredibly frustrated and under so much pressure because they have to work from home and homeschool, for example, at the same time. It feels like you're doing nothing well. Well, Maybe take the opportunity and try to think through the way, the things that you can do uh, that are good for other people. When you take a break from your work to check to see how your kids are doing, 
encourage them. Don't worry so much about whether they're getting through it all, but encourage them, support them, uh, demonstrate care for them, be with them in that moment rather than itching to get back to the desk. And by your diligent and conscientious work, they will see a good example of someone who wants to work, give their best to God in the work that they're doing. What about when you face an unexpected delay, when you're on an errand or on a job? Well, there's an opportunity there, isn't there, to cultivate that, the fruit, the, the patience fruit. You see, waiting teaches us patience. Uh, patience with the delay, but also forbearance with those who maybe cause the delay. And as we learn those things in those moments, then it helps us for those times when God says to us, when we desperately want something and he says no, or when he says wait. It helps us in those moments not to react with anger or resentment or bitterness, but with acceptance and contentment. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was um, sent to uh, a gulag by the, the Russian authorities for what he was writing and saying at the time. And uh, this is what he wrote about himself, uh, having been put into that, um, that situation of isolation. He said, once upon a time, you, talking about himself, were sharply intolerant. You were constantly in a rush and you were constantly short of time. And now you have time with interest. You are surfeited with it, with its months and its years behind you and ahead of you. And a beneficial calming fluid pours through your blood vessels. Patience. John Altberg says that hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And when we're patient, it helps us give our attention fully to where we are and who we're with and what we're doing. It's not just what you do, it's the way that you do it. Do everything to the glory of God. Uh, I watched something uh, this week where the guy said, sometimes you have to slow down to catch up with Jesus. Jesus.